Welcome back to Aldi's Mamiya and Me series podcast. Today I'm chatting with the brilliant Georgie Crawford, a beloved voice in the wellness space, best known for her podcast, The Good Glow, and her company, Good Glow Productions. Today we'll talk about her journey with breast cancer, how The Good Glow was born, and how she balances it all as a mum of five-year-old Pia. We've just gone straight into it. We're talking about coughs because it's non-stop glam fest here. So if, if Georgie coughs, we're all good. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying coughing. there's not enough sympathy for cough, coughers. <laughs> I had a cough once for three months. Longer. I met someone and they're like, you're good. oh, you have the 90 day cough. Sounded like some Ooh. biblical curse. I was like, I can't. I can't keep coughing for this long. And he did. So I just hope you don't have that. It was the most exhausting thing that I, this coughing endlessly. So if you cough, you have nothing but my sympathy. Thank but if you, you so much. COVID, it, you're out of here. I think it was good to just call it out from the start because now, now, now I feel comfortable, you know. Thank nobody you. Ca- nobody, nobody cares about the coughing anymore. Though. Remember the time it was <laughs> yeah. like, don't you dare breathe. So cough away on me. And also, thank you so much for coming in because I know you've got you're on a writing deadline, and I also understand that. And you're just you probably hate me that you had to come in here today because you're. Have you finished? Have you written the end? Yeah. So I'm writing my book at the moment, and I remember my book publisher speaking to me last May, and I said you know what, I have eight weeks, I'm going into my other podcast, Soul Sisters, you know, I can kick back a little bit more with that podcast. So I'll have the book to you in eight weeks. And it's been at least eight months. And I'm still just... It's very I'm like, naive. It's just weeks. so many words. <laughs> so many words. And they keep coming and you keep having to put all the different words in different, mm-hmm. you know, orders in sentences. So you're nearly there, though. We're nearly there. We're nearly there. And I think that's why I've I've been feeling a little bit unwell, because... I feel like I've given up everything for this book. I'm putting everything into it. You're doing your leaving cert. It's literally, yeah, literally. Congratulations on nearly finishing your leaving cert. Again. I hope I do better with my book than I did in my leaving cert. (laughs) But still that thing that just like seeps into every single hour of your Mm -hmm. life going, if you're not doing it, like I should be doing, I should be doing it. Will I just get another bit done? Uh, Sure, we can talk all about the book. And Normally I go, I start these things and going, where did it all start? I'm jumping straight in there and asking you, what is your favourite thing about being a mum? Oh, so much, Amy. And like, do you know, I said it a while ago that I think to be a mum, you don't even have to be a mother of a child. Yeah. I think we can be so motherly in in so many aspects of life. And being a mum to my dog, you know, Piper, my daughter Pia, who's five. is. Did Pi- was Piper there first? No, Piper came afterwards. Okay, so you have a daughter who's five. Yes. Um, and the dog is what? The dog is three. Okay. The dog's my baby. <laughs> my it. absolute baby. But Pia, I mean, I think, you know, I never had a sister. So to have a daughter was same the greatest moment of my life when I found out she was a girl. Like, I, I can never describe it, the gratitude I felt. And I think I always watched TV shows and saw sisters and they were always like wrestling and dancing and messing and... I just wanted that. So now I have that with Pia. And we call each other sister sometimes. She's like, hey, sister. I'm like, hey, sister. Um, it's probably not great parenting to, Who to, cares? to do you that. You guys are loving it and enjoying yourselves. Yeah, we're great pals. And I think just to have a little buddy and to see life through her eyes is a gift. That is so beautiful. because you, So you found out that you were having a girl when you were pregnant. So you knew going in that she was... That she was a girl. Yes, that must. That was. I. I, I was the same. I've no sisters. I know. I've no aunts. I've no. Ooh. I've no aunts. Like real aunts. Um. My my dad had no sisters, and my mum has no sisters, wow. and I have no sisters. Oh <laughs> so when God. I had, when I had my daughter, I was like, what? And I hadn't found out. So I. I think that the time I was in hospital, I was still in. I kept looking at her, going. <gasps> I have a daughter, I have a daughter. You know, different to having the boys, but it is. I was like, I have this thing that I never thought I would have. I'd never thought I would have a a daughter. Um, But so you find out, so going in, you're like, she's coming. My little sister's coming. My little girl, I wanted to call her Pia Max Crawford. Jamie put his foot down and we ended up calling her Pia Rose. And she came along and you know what? I think I I gave up everything for her. Did you? You know, And, and not because... That's what she needed from me. But I think just straight away, I just wanted to give her everything. So um, my maternity leave, and I'm writing about it at the moment. And when I go back and look at it, I'm like, oh, my maternity leave is a little bit lonely because um, I only wanted to be with my mum or Jamie's mum. And I used to just go for big, long walks every day with them. And I suppose I just kind of closed myself off from the world a little bit. 
but she was all I needed. She yeah. was the best, you know, but I put too much pressure on myself. Oh, gosh. Like the fir- that fir- those first early few weeks and months is, is so intense. Were your friends having babies at the same time? No, see, I'm the eldest in my family. Yeah. I was kind of the first out of my friends. So it was all just new. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to join a group. Like I just wasn't into that sort yeah. of thing. As in like the baby massage thing? Yeah. I know. Yeah. It's in- it's in- I, I do. I'm the first one I ever went to with my daughter. I, I went to change her nappy and never came back. It's like, this is too much too soon. I couldn't bear it. And then I did. I brought, I brought her later when she was a, a toddler. But when she was a young baby, I I hated that immediate intimacy with people I didn't know. Yeah. And some people crave that. I get that. I, I understand that even when I had my youngest, I, I nearly wanted that because all my friends were over having babies. I was like, oh, my God, I want all I want now is com- is company and someone else who's been through it. But those early stages, I, yeah, I was like, oh, no, I have to change mine. And never, never went back into the room. That is so funny. And I think that's what podcasting does now for, for those people coming up now who are like, no, no, you know, it's not really for me. Like they can put this podcast in their ears or a podcast that they love and feel like they're with two of their friends. Yeah. And it kind of fills that little gap. Yeah. You know? So you were in your little bubble with your mum and your mother-in-law. That's that's nice that they were they were there, they were there to help as well. Yeah, and they're great. And my mum is like my best friend and you know, she she helps me so much and you know, every day we just head off to the park and, and do cool things. And, you know, I, I thought my maternity leave would only be for you know, uh, six to seven months. So you were working at Spin at the time. Yeah. 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 So Spin, there were was real family vibes in Spin. So like when I was going out the door of Spin and, you know, I dedicated my whole life to my job. It was everything was my whole identity. So when I was leaving for maternity leave, I was like, I'll be back in six months. I'm not going to take that extra bit. But I suppose then when I when I settled into my maternity leave, I was like, mm, I'm not quite ready to go back. And um, so I decided to take an extra month. And during that month is when I found the lump in my breast. So I went out, you know, out the door of spin, you know, with such innocence, thinking I'd be gone for six months. And sure, I didn't go back for nearly two years. Wow. So I went on a completely different journey. And I did eventually go back. I only lasted about seven months when I went back to Communicore after my sick leave because I just changed so much. I was so different. But um, yeah, I guess it was it was closing of one, one door and, and the opening of the next. Oh, so so Pia, your daughter was seven months when you just found out that you you had cancer. Yeah. So what? Like I can't even even when I was you know reading over everything and listening to your interviews. Oh my God, like. The identity shift of becoming a mum for you know in the is seismic. It's it's like as you say, everything had changed. You didn't even you know you didn't foresee how you would feel. All of that changing Um, and coming to terms with the new you. You you know having your little bestie there, um, and then your world shifting again. I I know you're writing about it at the moment, but is it still difficult to look you know to talk about that time, or how do you feel talking about it now, or what was what was it like going through that? Yeah, and it's such a great observation because it, it so many lines were blurred. And I'm like, did I learn that because I became a mother or yeah. did I learn that because I got cancer? You know, yeah. so, and I see now Louise Thompson over in the UK. I don't know if you follow her, yeah. but she had a really traumatic experience after having her son. And I see so much of like the lines being blurred there for her and she's trying to figure it out. So, yeah, for me, you know what? I look back at my cancer now. I'm five years cancer free. I feel great. I I tell people I've had a brain transplant. It's like literally somebody took out my old brain and put a new brain in, in the best possible way. So I, I changed my life for the better. And yes, it was so hard in those days. I mean, I went through five months of chemotherapy. I lost all my hair. I had to do radiotherapy. And, you know, radiotherapy is really tough because when you're lying there in radiotherapy, you feel like you're dead because you're in this dark room and you have to lie really still and you can't move. So for, you, how lo- for how long? Like, I don't know, like half an hour, 40, 45 minutes, however long it would be. Maybe it was less, but it, it, I can't quite remember. But I remember being like, and they in the beacon, it's such a beautiful hospital, as beautiful as hospitals can be, but they would have like piano music playing. So it's like, I feel like I'm like being laid out oh, here. Jesus. You know, so 
and, and but that gave me time to think. And in those moments, I was like, do you know what? I've never actually spent time with myself, and I've never. I used to go on expose, right? I was this entertainment um, contributor, and I used to come home and like hide behind the couch watching it back because. I couldn't bear to see myself on TV. We were discussing this out there. I, I hear you on it's that as so well. It's so hard. But I didn't have a clue who I was. I was trying so hard and I was always on the go and everything was just on to the next thing, on to the next thing. So actually I was working so hard, I didn't know what I was trying to achieve even. Mm-hmm. So when I stopped in, in my recovery from cancer, I was like, oh my God, let's let's take down all of these stories that I've told myself my whole life. Okay, I don't like to exercise. I don't like nature. I don't like being outside. And through my recovery from cancer, all of these theories I had about myself, I was proving myself wrong. So I'd go for a little jog. Oh my God, I feel kind of better. I'd sit outside and I'd feel better coming back in the door. So it was such a lesson for me that, wow, I've been running for 33 years, yeah. running away from myself. But this cancer has made me stop. And this cancer has made me see all that I am capable of. So I used to beg in my garden. I'd be there with my dressing gown on over my clothes. I don't know if you do that. I still do it. Um, to go out in your... No, just to like, you know, in, when you're in the house and you put the dressing yeah, gown yeah, on yeah. and the wig would come off and it would just be me, yeah. you know. <laughs> and um, I used to beg, like I used to be like, please let me live because... You know, I've learned so much and I'm going to do it differently and I'm I'm going to really love myself and I'm going to take care of myself if you just give me another chance. Because, you know, in, in chemotherapy, there is still this big fear of it coming back. So in those moments, I'd be like, please, just please give me another shot. And I got better and my hair started to grow back and I started to really love myself. And then my whole world changed from that. How long, like, with that process, the initial diagnosis, you were in treatment for yeah. how many months? Uh, about seven months, okay. five months of chemo. But um, I was diagnosed in October. Um, I knew it was cancer as soon as I found my lump. So Did you? Everyone was like, no, I'm, you know, breastfeeding, you know, all this stuff. I was like, no, it's cancer. I know, th- I know that it is. And everyone needs to stop convincing me that it's not because I know. So I was diagnosed really quick, five days, went in, had two cancer surgeries, two lumpectomies, straight into a round of IVF. Like I start laughing when they told me to do IVF because I was like, I have a a baby, Uh, but went into IVF. um, And then just before Christmas started, my baby's first Christmas, I'd already had one chemotherapy session under my belt that Christmas every time I got into the shower my hair was falling out and then straight into the five months radiotherapy back to work a year later but as an entirely different person you know for 33 years my life stayed the same and for 10 years of my career I I was going around in circles I was revolving I, I never evolved as a person and then this one year all of this amazing change happened. So it was hard for me then when I got the one year cancer free under my belt to hate cancer. You know, I I always made the decision, I can't hate this. I have to let it in because it's here to teach me something. And that's really hard in those moments. But Jamie was, you know, when you feel like you're drowning and someone's just keeping your head above water, like he did that for me until I got to the place where I could just help myself. And does he have that mentality? So when you when you start and you kind of, as you say, like you'd lived your your life a certain way for 33 years and like busy, busy. And the more I do and like distraction, distraction and going, going, going. Obviously, something like that stops you in your tracks. Did you see the change quickly? Like, could you feel it to let in the, 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 your new pace of life, your new outlook? Did he have a natural inclination for that or did you learn it together? Yeah, so Jamie was diagnosed with MS when we first started dating. So he'd kind of had his rock bottom moment. He'd kind of paved the way for me in terms of, okay, you feel now like you will never be the same again, that you will never laugh the same way again. But I promise you with time, you will feel better. So I trusted him with that. And we helped each other. He used to stay up and read like cancer journals and medical papers and things like that so that when I was freaking out 
he could kind of bring me back down to earth and go, well, that can't happen because of A, B and C. So, yeah, like it was hard, but I had a baby. Mm. So I was like, do I want my eight month old baby to wake up every day and see me crying or do I want her to see me laughing like I couldn't let it take my my light I couldn't no so I I I had to just put my best foot forward and trust this is happening for a reason I don't know why right now but it will reveal itself to me in time it's fascinating to hear that that you go through that journey of something so difficult and I guess when, you know, you're faced with this, the, the most frightening thing, you know, and your your health and your future and you've got a, a little baby, to be able to look back and have a relationship that's not just negative with some, with an illness mm. is is incredible. And it's just a testament to you that you, you that you went through something so traumatic and came out feeling like you had had so many positives from it. Yeah. Do you feel like you do feel like a different person? You said you had a brain transplant. You feel... Does it carry through in every bit of your life? Everything. Everything. Every conversation with my child, every reaction that I have, you know, everything that I do, I have an appreciation for being here. Like I was writing the other day, I was going, I can't believe I used to wake up on a Monday and feel well and think that was a pain in the ass. (laughs) Do you know? Yeah. You know? Yeah, and then go and beep at someone and push someone out and why is that person skipping me in the queue and blah, blah. like I that's how I rolled you know is it hard not to look at other people who are giving out about really annoying small things and go oh god you know put this whole thing in perspective is, is it hard to do that yeah well I have those moments now and, and I'm like wow I never thought I'd get these because you know you don't go go forth and you know blessing everyone and <laughs> you're well you know but you're you should be grateful to be alive you know but I do have the moments where I have first world problems again and it feels great for a minute because I'm like oh my god I'm I'm back to myself but also they don't last as long or they it doesn't get in on me as much how does it change your perspective when you go because it's I'm sure that there's a lovely piece in that perspective right and gratitude because gratitude with it with everything and just go I'm so grateful do you look at you know your life and go I, I'm here for however, you know, long, hopefully a long lifeline and enjoy my family. Does it make you go, meh, who cares if stuff doesn't work out? Does it keep you sharp? I don't know, maybe with old age, I'm just getting a little bit more, doesn't matter, you know, move on quicker. Mm. But I, then I go, oh God, I don't want to lose my um, tenacity with things and maybe, yes. you know, feeling as intently as I would have or getting annoyed about certain things that I would have because then it kind of pushes me on but maybe it's pushing me in a, in a different way or doing things differently but I'm like I want to care less but then I'm like but I want to not care yes <laughs> so to, to still have drive absolutely and 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 I think what it taught me was what to put my drive into okay so I went back to 98 FM to read the news like this dream job that I always wanted for 12 years and I kept going for that job when I worked in spin before I got sick and I never got it I was like, why aren't I getting this job? Like, can they not see how hard I work? Like, this is all I want. Like, I'm eating at my desk. I'd never take a break. I work overtime. Like, why can't anyone see me in this? And then I went off. I had treatment. I started investing in myself, like just loving myself and thinking I was worthy, thinking I was enough. And just before I was going back to work, they they called me and they said, hey, this job came up in 98FM do you want to interview for it? And I was like, yeah, what, what's the job? And they were like, oh, it's to read the news in the breakfast show. I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to get it now. I've been out of the office for 18 months. You know, if I didn't get it when I was working so hard, you know, maybe this isn't going to happen for me. And I got the job and I was like, they feel sorry for me. I that's mean, what it, you thought? That, immediately, that's what I thought because it, I hadn't, I couldn't make sense of it at the time. So I went back in and I sat down at my desk in 98FM, which is in the same newsroom where I used to work in Spin. And after a couple of hours, I was like, oh, no, no, they don't, they don't feel sorry for me. I'm different. So I realized that I was putting out different energy into the world and I was less stressed and I was calmer and I wasn't getting caught up in things anymore. And I was like, whoa, for all of those years that I was in spin, instead of giving everything away all day, every day and trying to prove myself to other people, if I had just worked on myself a little bit, 
I would have gotten here much quicker. So I got the job in 98 FM and I was putting everything into that and I was coming in and you, you know 98, it's a local Dublin station. You know, I knew all the councillors to ring to get a sound bite of them giving out about something. Drug busts, murders, like... You know, it, it was really like lo- it's local news. So you're looking for like the worst stories in each community to lead the bulletin with. And I was like, OK, I'm sitting at my desk. It's half five in the morning and I am waking everybody up in Dublin with all of these horrific stories. And I started to feel like, oh, I can't. This is this is taking more from me than what it's giving me. And I have so much light and so much love to give that I'm giving it to the wrong place. And I thought of this idea for The Good Glow, my podcast, and to get women on to tell their stories of like overcoming and inspiration. And I was like, these are two completely different things. Sure. It's so negative over here and it's so positive over here. And there's only one of me. So I quit my job. After how long going back? Seven months. Wow. Yeah, I, I, I just, I asked, I, this is crazy, right? I went to Spain. I read Gabby Bernstein's book, The Universe Has Your Back. Yeah. She said, if you're looking for guidance, ask for a sign. So I asked for a sign that day and I said, if I get this sign, I'm going to quit my job. I love it. What was the sign? <laughs> I'm so embarrassing. <laughs> Please tell me. Now that you've said that, continue. So my sign, Oprah is my queen. Yeah. I love her. Yes. And she guided me so much in my recovery. And I was like, okay, my sign is going to be Oprah. And then I was like, no, it's way too obvious. You know, people send me messages about Oprah all the time. I was like, where have I never seen Oprah? It's like, I've never seen anything to do with Oprah on Netflix. Yeah. So Oprah on Netflix is my sign. So I went up to the... And that is very specific. So, so specific. So I was like, phew, I don't have to quit. You okay, know, I'll never get yeah, it. So I'm telling you the sob stories on the news. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Don't have to face this. So we went upstairs um, after dinner, Jamie went down to like put the bin down in the bins in the basement. And I was like, okay, this is my five minutes. So I was like, okay, I have never seen Oprah on Netflix. So I'm going to go straight to Amazon Prime because if I see her on Amazon Prime, well, like that's basically the same thing. So I went in and I was scrolling through like all of these movies on Amazon Prime. You know, they're like really old yeah. school films. And I was like, Oprah has to be here somewhere. And I was like, click, 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 click nowhere to be found I could hear Jamie coming back up the stairs so I was like okay well we're going to watch Netflix tonight and so I'll pick out something for us to watch and I just pressed the Netflix button on the remote and I looked at the TV and it was Oprah's face stop it immediately I swear to God that day an interview she had done I didn't even know she was doing this interview you know that interview with the Central Park Five those five kids in New York who were uh, wrongfully accused of murder. Oh, yes, yes, yes. It was the debut of her show no, on Netflix I don't that day. It. And Jamie came in, he kind of double taked me because I was obviously like, my jaw was on the floor. He'd literally brought the bins out and you had changed your life. Yeah, I quit my job. So, because like we've like, both been through a lot in the last five minutes. Me, more so than you. Yeah, so I, di- I didn't say anything that night. I couldn't speak. And I didn't want to tell. I needed a minute. And then you, I didn't ex- say, you didn't say to him? No, I didn't even tell him I'd ask for a sign. Also, sometimes, I don't know, when you articulate that to somebody, if, they, if they're into it, then they'll be like, yeah, so sometimes you tell someone and they're like, sorry? Yeah. And you're like, no, but I mean it, it is. It's a sign and I asked for a sign. But you don't want anyone kind of encroaching on that and go, well, maybe she, you know. Yeah. He just, obviously, he would be supportive of that. But you just want to own that, have that moment and go, this is mine. This is me. Totally. So the next morning I said, here, listen, I asked for a sign. I'm going to quit my job. And he was like, okay, well, like, I support you and whatever you do. But like, and then he said that he he was so curious about this that he asked for a sign and he got his sign that day. Oh, see, he's on board. But I love that because it's a sense of other that we can't, we don't know or can't explain that has got you and is like a little virtual hug. Yeah. So when you went home, was that literally like, that is it? You didn't, did you waver on your decision? Or were you like, I've made no, it? No, that was it. I was like, I look, I'd been getting signs, you know, like, mental breakdowns in like new studios like on the floor in the bathroom like I used to eat carrots on the N11 at half four in the morning to like try stay healthy like I knew and then the Oprah sign was like a bag of carrots just going this is because you were you felt like you weren't healthy 
because I felt like life was taking so much of me that I wanted to put the good back in. So like I'd be like, you know, five o'clock in the morning in, in the newsroom, it's like dark, you know, people are like so tired and I'd just be like crunching. <laughs> She's here. We can hear her <laughs> eating her wellness. And it's that's a difficult one because you, you're just going, well, from, from the outside, I've gotten where I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And now the world has shifted again. Yes. But I think that's great because if we stay on the same trajectory and your goals stay the same, like with all that you've been through, even not becoming a mum or overcoming an illness and being there for your husband, you know, when you guys were just dating and him dealing with his illness, just that involvement and being able to not be afraid of it. Because so many people are afraid of it, go, but this is what I wanted. This mm. is what I said I wanted. Yeah, and like even in, you know, we, we fear rock bottom moments, but and anyone listening who is feeling like they're in a rock bottom moment, it's like in a rock bottom moment, we can be cracked open and the light can enter us. So, you know, a rock bottom moment can teach us so much and to lean on your support and ask for help, but also to know that a rock bottom moment is not the end. It can be the start of something new. So don't resist it so much, you know. If someone was listening who was, who was having that rock bottom moment, when, when you look back, did you have to fight that initially? Like, does fear take over initially? And how long does it take to, to change your mindset? Because I can imagine that like even, I'm sure you felt unwell through your treatment as well. Was chemo hard on yeah. your, physically hard on your body? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was tough. Like, and it's and hard. Feeling to, unwell. It's hard to look in the mirror and see what you're seeing, you know. But I think I was held by everyone around me, like my mom, my amazing stepdad, uh, my brothers and Jamie. And they, they held me until I got my wings again. They guided me through everything and, and until I was able to walk on steady ground myself. But like also to give yourself time, you know. That's lovely because time can hold us hostage in so many ways and we divide up this thing that we don't even know what it is. We've just put like a little ironclad and go, I have to be feel better by then and if I'm not. And so many people say that just even to do with so many different things with grief, with illness, with loss, with change is take the time frame out of it because it doesn't doesn't really exist. And to give yourself time, I think that's the, 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 that's the again, because we're obsessed with time in the way we live our lives and everything is like, well, I, and if you're goal orientated as well and you haven't reached whatever wherever you think you should be you know you know in your head or with a job or physically to a certain point then it's a failure but Mm -hmm. taking the that thing gives you just uh, just space to to breathe like you were saying I'll never laugh I will never feel me but to take the time pressure instead of going like maybe next week by next week I'll be ready to you know that is just is too much it's too much pressure when you don't innately feel it yeah and it's on one of our guidance cards you know have patience with time and the healing will follow so just give yourself a break you know just get up and do what you can do today one foot in front of the other the healing will come you know the days get brighter the sun will come back out on your life again but just don't try to rush the journey. And how does it make you guys different? I can already imagine how it makes you different as parents. I mean, you probably do. You probably don't sweat the small stuff like a lot of you yeah, know it's parents funny. might. Yeah, it's funny. Like um, we were like front row in her school, like play. You know, like I'm queuing up outside. You know, these are all the moments that I wanted to live for. But something really funny happened last year. We went to Pia's first ever. What are those things called? Parent-teacher meetings? Oh, yeah. And I was like, this, oh, this is huge. <laughs> Jamie. Yeah. So we go into the school and we're sitting down at like those little, you're sitting like a kid's chair. Tiny chair. And like, like, I can't get back up. Yeah. It's all good. <laughs> and Pia's teacher just started speaking about her and me and Jamie both started crying. That's so nice. <laughs> and you know, like she's probably like these wellness freaks. Like, <laughs> what is wrong with them? So in touch with their emotions. Yeah. Let it out. Just like, thank you so much for saying that about my child. <laughs> But, you know, they're the moments that I wanted to live for. And um, but yeah, like we, we do parent her a little bit differently. Like we bring in like breathing and, you know, talking to her about things, you know, things that we've learned along the way. But I think everyone's getting much better at that these days. And talk and communication. Yeah. And just go, you know, tell me your worries. And that is that is it. Like, you you know, your mum was with you and your husband was with you. It's just like, I'm here. Like, you know, you're not you don't have to be on your own. Are you sentimental? Um, I feel like are you you would be would you with yeah. little with little firsts with her, with your daughter yeah like I'm a bit mad like I'm a bit frantic I kind of I, I did this thing when Pia was born I was like okay every year of her life I'm going to pull out a page of a book that I've read 
that year that had an impact on me. Yeah. So then when she's 21, she'll have 21 pages of 21 different books that she will be able to read. And they're hopefully the messages or the lessons that she can take forward in her life. So like little things like that. But like I'm kind of like very airy-fairy. I have to really work on the frantic energy that I feel like is kind of in me yeah. a lot. I have to work really hard not to be that type of person. Like, I'd be editing my podcast, like, you know, my headphones on, my computer on my hip, like, hoovering the house. You know, it's it's it stresses Jamie out a lot. <laughs> I can relate to all that. And I, yes, I can with mine as well. But I don't know if that... If that if you're just somebody, who, you know, and it's being busy and doing a million different things and also your time is kind of limited during the day as well. I know we could talk about time, I can't stand it. But you are, you're like, I'll get this done, I'll get that done and that kind of, you know, frenetic energy. Yeah. And those are the days where you don't feel it or if there's times where it builds and you need to let it out. Yeah, and I, and I feel like Pia's getting to that stage now where she's kind of like, oh, like, Daddy, you dropped me to school because... I'm like this ball of mad carrots in the front yeah. seat. <laughs> like I went to the school, I'll never forget it, like when she was in junior infants and I was like, oh, you know, sitting in the car and I was, looked at myself in the mirror. I was like, whoa, I can't go in like that. And so I took these like pair of sunglasses and I stuck the sunglasses on my head and get Pia out of the car, come let's, let's go. And we're going down and I we walk past an, another school that's across the road. I'm like waving at parents who, you know, Pia used to be a Montessori with because I don't go down to the school that often. So when I do, I'm like, hey, hey, hey. Guys, I'm here. You know, the lollipop lady yeah. having a great chat, go in, drop Pia at the door. Pia's teacher comes out, blah, blah, blah. I get back into the car and I look in the mirror Amy, and there was a packet of chewing gum stuck to my glass (laughs) (laughs) with a piece. How did how did how did the chewing gum stick to your glasses? You say, well, with a piece of used chewing gum. gum. The only way to stick a a packet of chewing gum to your glasses (laughs) just with a used old bit, and then let everyone see it. (laughs) So, like, it's things like that, you know, that I have to like really work on grinding myself because that's kind of my true nature. But you know what? Like that kind of effervescent is 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 great as well if it's a part of your personality. But I know mm. what you mean. I always think that that's the thing that my kids will, you know, when we're older and they're like, oh my God, mom was mad when she did that thing. I was like, what is the thing? I think I know the thing. I think I know the things and it probably is that frenetic energy. But then there's other days I'm as calm as a breeze and then it just builds. But like, you know, I, I guess I have to be true to myself in that as well. But I could definitely go on some of your wellness guidance. Yeah. Please, please. Like I was talking about, uh, I was talking to someone, I was like, you know, this retreat I was on was so amazing. And then I was like, oh, wait a minute. It was it was my retreat. Amazing. <laughs> you know, you got to have that self-belief, sister. <laughs> <laughs> Happy news from Aldi. We've topped the leaderboard at the National Parenting Product Awards with 22 wins, making us the most awarded retailer. There were goals for our organic Mamiya baby food range, Mamiya Ultra Dry Junior Plus Nappy Size 5 Plus, and Mamiya Premium Newborn Mini Size 2 Nappies voted the nation's best nappies by parents in Ireland. So, mum and dad, not using Mamiya nappies yet? Oof, could be time for a change. Aldi, every day amazing. Here's a question though, right? So you are, you've got this gratitude for being a mum and with your daughter and you want all those moments, like you say, that you want to be there for um, and you, when she was born and you, it was all encompassing and you want to be there. How do you carve out enough time though that you're like, but I can also do this independently of being a mum? Is it all and one the same? How do you, how are you able to go, no, I'm, I'm not going to get involved in that with my daughter because I, I need to do this f- for me? Yeah, I think I I learned a lot about boundaries um, in my recovery and I think it was like I'm an overgiver. I was the eldest child in my family. So I went from kind of being an adult pleaser to a people pleaser. So like even with Jamie, like I want to do everything. I want to be the hero of the story. But I think when I got sick, I was like, Jamie, I really need you to like step up here and make me feel like it's okay if I miss bath time to go for a 15-minute jog or something. So he really got on board with that and really stepped up to the plate. So now I'm good at kind of saying, no, I need to do this. I have this story in my book about the burnt bit of the dinner that like I always would have eaten the burnt bit of the dinner and given Jamie like the the lovely bit Um, instead of giving him a smaller portion, you know, and Mm. and splitting the, the nice half of the dinner. But I always ate the burnt bit of the dinner 
because Jamie had MS and I wanted him to be really well and all of our life revolved around his wellness. So then when I fell and I stopped eating the burnt bit of the dinner, people would say, hey, well, how do you continue that, you know, as you go back to normal? Like, how how do you continue that? And I said, well, like, I don't want Pia to eat the burnt bit of the dinner mm-hmm. when she grows up. So I'm just trying to teach her ways in which it's okay to look after yourself. It's okay to say no. It's okay to like skip out the door at bedtime if you need to do something for yourself so that hopefully in her life she'll pass that on. You know? That it's not just always giving to other to other people. Yeah. I, I think that's a lovely idea, Burnt Dinner. You also probably need to, I don't know, get, get cooking some, lessons. Yeah, yeah that, that would be great. <laughs> Listen, I'm with you. There's too many Burnt Dinners, you know, that I have that I have cooked. But I, I like that, that it's not, it always doesn't have to be, well, I should take, I should let somebody else you know, be minded and 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 to mind yourself. Yeah. Um. I know you've spoken about wanting to expand your your family, and I didn't realize that you'd been through so much in two months. That you know, those years ago when you were diagnosed and then had to do a round of IVF, and then have your first round of of chemo. That's in like even getting back to yourself after having a baby, let alone all of the things that are going on and the fear and feeling unwell and everything else. You're incredible for all that you do and the positivity that you share and the hope that you give is just really, really, really special. And it is like, it it literally glows from you. Um, oh. And it's a really ama- amazing, amazing gift for yourself and for your gorgeous family. I know that you have always praised them for the support that they've given you. Um, but uh, you're obviously a really special, tight unit. And I know that you've spoken about wanting to grow your family. And how does that, how does that looking at the moment? I know you said that you'd had a few kind of, there was a few things that were planned that then got put on hold with, with, things that were going on. Yeah, so I, to put a long story short, I I heard Rosanna Davison's story that she was doing surrogacy in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my God, Jamie, you know, we've all these embryos in the beacon. This is, this could be an option for us because in order, I could have another baby, but I'd have to come off my cancer drug. So I kind of made a decision like, look, I'm just going to stay on it for as long as I can. So we started pursuing surrogacy in Ukraine. It was a really long road and the week of our embryo transfer with our beautiful surrogate mother fell on the same week as the war broke out. So for so long, people were like, Georgie's not looking great over in Ukraine. And, you know, people were kind of tippy-toeing around me, like didn't want to upset me, but kind of going, like, what's the story with this? And I was like, oh, no, it's fine. Like, the Ukrainians are telling us, you know, that Putin's never going to invade, you know, and... Then we we jumped on a call with the Department of Foreign Affairs about five days before our transfer. And they were saying, look, if you can pause things, like we'd really recommend that. And Jamie was like, we have to. And I was like, no, Jamie, like, please, no. Oh, Jesus. And we're not usually on the same page about things. But he was like, Georgia, like, we can't do it. So it was Pia's birthday that weekend. And you know that, you'll so many people will be able to relate to this. When you've got like you're lighting the birthday candles and you're 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 trying to be really happy and you're in this really happy moment, but like your insides are like on fire. So we cancelled our embryo transfer. Our surrogate mother decided not; she didn't want to wait. So we, you know, it was such a long journey to get her, and I really felt like she was my soul sister. This, this she was the one. I was going for acupuncture. And I said to Jamie a couple of days before, like, please ask Alina if she if she can wait for us, if she'll just wait a month until things settle down. So Jamie's like, okay, I'll do everything I can. So I went to the supermarket and I was standing in the cereal aisle and Jamie called me and he said, Alina won't wait. She she can't. She wants to go ahead with another family. And I said, no, Jamie, no, 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 you have to, we have, we have to find a way. We just, we just need to call her. We need to explain, you know, we're not going to delay her much longer. And then I had this acupuncture appointment that I couldn't cancel because I was the first appointment of the day. So I didn't want to just not show up. So I went in and I was lying on the the bed and Jeanette, who does my acupuncture, she kind of hadn't looked at me at that point. And she turned around and she kind of stopped and she was like, oh my God, are you okay? And I was like, she just took my hand and she goes, Georgie, People come here with broken hearts all the time. Like she knew. Mm. So she put everything into me and then I lay there for 30 minutes. And then I came out and I just rang Jamie, standing on the side of the road in Black Rock. I was like, Jamie, we have to let her go. We have to let her go. And he's like, what are you talking about? You've just been screaming down the phone at me. And I said, no, like we're doing what's best for our family, but we don't know. Mm. She's doing what's best for her family. We have to let her go. We have to let her go. So we let her go. 
And uh, on the Thursday, that was, that was, yeah. And then the Thursday, our embryo transfer was due to take place on the Monday. And on the Thursday, I just checked Twitter, like couldn't sleep. And it was just like bombs dropping on Kiev. And I was like, oh, I can't believe this is real. Oh my God. And it's, it's been that ever since. Are you in touch with her? Uh, no. It's no. probably hard to, to have that line open when you know that you have to close a door on something. Yeah, like she moved, she moved on and uh, it was really, it was really difficult, you know, and to be like, hey guys, can we do anything for you? And they're like, we're, I'm in a bunker, like with my family. Sure. You know, I, like this is, thank you, but no, there's not, there's actually nothing you can do for us. So it was a real weird, like feeling of Completely. all of these people that you'd worked with and there was no way to reach them. No. You know, and um, it was a really weird time. And But then I, I got to go to bed that night and my beautiful baby girl was asleep in her bedroom and Jamie was beside me and we had a safe home to be in. So it was very hard to ever feel sorry for for us in that situation like we were just so grateful that we that, you know that we had a roof over our heads and we wanted to help people but you know we definitely weren't sitting around going oh my god I can't believe this happened to us I know I know when you when you look at the scale of what was going on there obviously you've got your own personal disappointments but so crazy that everything happened just all together in, and it's such a short time to get your head around it I'm sure for her as well yeah but as you say, you know, looking forward to the future, are you like, have you, obviously you have plans and you're hoping that one day that you'll get to, you've said, talked about, you know, just going, you know, we'll, we'll have our, yeah. you know, we'll have our baby. I really believe that. And, and I spoke, I was actually interviewing um, Oprah's life coach. I was just wondering if my top was on Inside Out, but it's not, thank God. <laughs> We're not filming this. You know, around. that moment when yeah. you're like, oh my God. But you gosh. do have chewing gum right here on your forehead. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I was interviewing Oprah's life coach um, shortly after the war broke out in Ukraine and I was like oh god I'm trying to make a decision about what country to go to and blah blah blah, blah. and she's like when you're in grief you can't make decisions so you need to like be in the process of this grief and don't put yourself under pressure but we have picked a new country we have been matched with another surrogate and that's, a, that's amazing you know, is that a long process? For people who don't know the process, is that long? The, it's the paperwork. Yeah, it's about six months to kind of get your paperwork and depending on what you have to do, like our embryos were rescued from Kiev and they were brought to Bratislava. We found out actually on Facebook, which was a weird day, but our embryos have been to more countries um, than myself and Jamie have in the last three years. No way. Yeah, so they've been to Ukraine, Slovakia, Paris... France, Berlin, Turkey. Uh, they've been everywhere. And why Why is that? Is this, they obviously got moved out of the, of the country. Yeah, so to get them, um, they were in a kind of safe house in Slovakia and then um, they were brought back to Kiev and then just to, to get them, for them to make their way to our new country, they had right, a few okay. stops. So like I was in... interrailing. Yeah, I said literally, <laughs> I, was on the, I was on the phone to Whitney Port from the Hills. Oh, yes. And I was like, my embryos are currently on a train to Paris. <laughs> And she was like, that's so weird. Have a great time, guys. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it's a, but like that, that you know and that you're open about, you know, about the process of it because there's so many people who don't know what's involved in that. And obviously there was more involved in that than somebody, you know, without the external factors that were going on to, with wars and everything else that was was happening. But um, you've had such a you've had such a long time to to wait for for this. So I'm I'm so happy that you guys have, you know, have your plan and know where they're yeah. know where they're going and know where they're going to be. So and to know that we'll get that baby, you know, that we were yeah. probably originally going to get in Ukraine, like it's the same embryo. Yeah. So to know like the same person and like my friend Claire was saying to me when it was all falling apart, and I was like, I just really want a baby now. She was like, Yeah, but Georgie, like, why are you being given this extra time? Every cloud has a silver lining and it's so hard. And it's so hard for people to hear that as well. Like, why, why am I? I don't want extra time. I want my next baby or my first baby. But with that time, I so much happened. So like, I was like, oh, me and Jamie have been through the mill. Like, you know, we've had the MS, the cancer, you know, the surrogacy falling apart. Like, we're so, you know, 
not a lot of people would be able to get through that. No. So it's like, I need to put some love back into my relationship. So for last year, I was like, that's it now. You know, I'm going to concentrate on Jamie. So that was a gift that came out of it. And we got the business to a different place. You know, we're bringing 130 people to New York to run the half marathon with us in March. So like things that's like that, um, that's you know. That's amazing. And the things that you could do. Because I know you've spoken as well about like doing one thing every day and then having kind of, is it, so tell me a little bit about that, about how bringing that. And and, and you say as well that that was not the way you lived your life X amount of years ago, that this is a new thing that of just bringing wellness and, and positivity and learning about more about your body as well. What, what tell me everything. Tell yeah, me, so like I, I always say to people like, you know, can you give yourself 1% more and 1% more is 15 minutes of your day, you know. What can you do for you? Because for so long, I just gave it all away. Mm. And, you know, what can I do for you? And how can I change your opinion of me? And I really want these people to like me. So, like, every day I was just going out and just, just like, giving everything I had to other people. And then I was like, what if I had a kept 1% for me every day? What if, you know, when I was sitting at my desk, instead of working through lunch, what if I had gone around, walked around the block? Or what if I had a you know, meditated for five minutes or read one page of a book. And all of those little things that you do are going to change your overall destination instead of just doing the same thing over and over again. So I always say to people, can you give yourself 1% more? And, you know, with that 1%, working on your inner world is can transform your outer world. Well, the smallest, sometimes the smallest little things make the biggest difference, even mm-hmm. though you can't see them in the short term. But it, once they kind of build up and, and and collate, you're like, my mindset is different and my head is clearer. If you, if somebody was in a, a tricky place, what's your go-to three things of that extra 1%? Um, I don't want to run a marathon. <laughs> I don't want to do that. Would you? Have I would a, like to go to New York, <laughs> Yeah, but I will cheerlead. Yeah, well, we have supporters coming. Uh, do you ever do you ever have cold showers? No, I was only talking about this with my mum yesterday, and we were just we, we were like, "What's wrong with those people?" We were talking about sea swimming, and I've yeah. done that once or twice. But she was just saying that yeah, she was. Someone said, "Have a cold shower before," because um, she's trying to do aqua aerobics to you know get her mobility up. And they were like, "You know, the the pool will feel warmer if you have a cold shower." And yeah. she just went, like, "No, this is this is crazy. I'm not doing this." Yeah. So no. So no. Well, well, like the cold just completely transforms my day. My like I I. It never got into the sea until 2020, like in my life. I went to Barbados on my honeymoon and I stood... <laughs> oh, like ever in your life, ever. ever. <laughs> wow. I stood looking at the water, the crystal clear, warm... Not for me. ...water. And I was like, I'm just not the type of person that gets into the sea. <laughs> I'll get my wellness with a bag of carrots. I'm yeah. grand. So getting in the sea or a cold shower, would you, would you start with a cold shower or can you end with the hot tub or no? That's it. No, you have your normal warm shower and you, yeah. you shouldn't do this if you're pregnant or, you know, have an underlying medical condition. But yeah, just turn it for 15 sec- seconds at the end. Okay. And it just makes you feel like you can take on the world. It's meant to make your hair shinier as well. Yeah, it does that too. Perfect. That will make me feel mm-hmm. like I can take on the world. And I'm like, look at that gloss. <laughs> um, okay, so we'll go quick fire round. On the days that you don't feel positive, right, do you have those? Or yeah, are, yeah. You, are you able to dig yourself out quicker than you would have before? Mm, yeah. Um, do you know Brian Penny? He's in... Yes. Yeah. I've met Brian Penny. He's so lovely. I chatted with him when he was writing his book. Yeah, he's, he's amazing. amazing. So he speaks at like flying at 15,000 feet. So he said when he was ill, you know, he was flying at 1,000 feet. And now he does all of these things to bring him up to 15,000 feet. So he knows how to get there. He exercise, good food, you know, read a page or two of a book. And he's flying at 15,000 feet. So that when something bad happens... He's not going to crash in to the the ground. When something bad happens, he might go down to 8,000 feet Mm -hmm. or 6,000 feet. So I think I'm not going from, you know, um, having a good day to having a really bad day. Sure. Like I I can, I know when I'm flying low. Yeah. And I know that I have certain things that I can do, like therapy or, you know, a cold shower, certain things that I can do to get myself back up. But then also, like, sometimes I just need to wallow in it. Yeah. And and surrender and feel it and feel sorry for myself and 
cry to Jamie and, you know, get on the floor. Like those days still yeah. come for me and it's important to acknowledge them, I think. Yeah. And I also think as a parent to let your kids know that you can be upset so that it doesn't always have to be, you know, no, we're, we can be fine. We can be fine. So I think, but also balancing it. Oh, I was, my cousin always says, you know, you can be sad for 24 hours and then you have to have, a, you know, you have to try and kind of get yourself out of the, out of the thing in it because it's, I guess, is a balance of like being true to your own emotions and yeah. then not letting them kind of, I guess, direct the narrative too much as well. It's it's it, it's difficult. And also, it's kind of, I like that flying thing, but it's also like filling the tank a little bit that you don't just end on empty mm-hmm. all the time, that you've got, there's no reserve because you haven't filled your own tank or well or whatever, or all these things that we tell ourselves that we need to do and it's very important. Um, who would your celeb parents be if you could choose Ooh, them? Ooh, good question. Thanks. I'd have to say... Goldie Hawn. Yes. And it's Kurt Russell, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love them. I love Because you can mix and match as well. You can choose. Oh, a, you can yeah, choose one or dad one. or mums from someone else or two dads, whatever. Yeah, but I like those. I like those. as uh, They would be cool, cool parents. What would your alternative career be if you weren't doing what you're doing now? Oh, that's such a good one. Um, I think, do you know, I'm, I used to work in a restaurant and like I was so happy. I loved those days as well. I loved being a waitress. Yeah. I loved like, it. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's that overgiver in me. I'm like, are you guys okay? And you know, you just want to get things for people. I like, I loved that. Same. And sometimes I'm like, you know, if 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 I was transported to another world, you know, I would know that I would be happy doing that. Yeah. You know, so maybe open a little place or, you know, that that would be nice. Could be on the cards. Um Favourite kid snack that you like eating yourself? Oh, God. Let me think about that one now. I love a rusk. A rusk? You know, they're oh, rusks. Yeah, yeah. That you can mash milk into. I also used to eat baby rice because I loved the taste oh, yeah. of that. I love stuff so like that. Um, I think like, you know, Pia is eating these like, they, they roll up. There's some sort fruit of... Rolls. Love fruit rolls. Fruit well. rolls, yeah, love them. And I like keeping them entertained in the supermarket. Yeah, they just roll <laughs> yeah. and I'm just like, you just keep trying to figure that one out and then I'll eat it. Um... How often do you go in and sniff your kid when they're asleep? Oh, constantly. <laughs> like, I, if I could eat that child, I would. I know. B- biggest uh, parenting fail that you can think of? And the chewing gum was a pretty low, low point for me in my life yeah. um, of, of parenting. I think like every day I fail. Like every day I go into P.O. and she's going to sleep and I'm like, good night, sweetheart. You know that song? <laughs> yeah, and I sing yeah, it. Yeah. But like the older she's getting, like she just, she... She's rolling her eyes now and just a bit mortified. So like every day that kind of bursts my bubble a little bit. Hang tough. Just mm-hmm. break through that and then yeah. it, she'll, she'll start to like it again. So I have a dance routine and everything for it. <laughs> she's going to love that when she looks back at that when she's older. She's like, she never gave up on that old routine. She's going to love that. Uh, Georgie, it has been an absolute joy to to talk to you. You've, you've that, That's been my wellness today is um, just feeding off your positivity and um, how generous you are with your time and your your honesty and uh, we're all rooting for you and we can't wait for more amazing things and your book is coming out in yeah my book is out in April so yeah thanks thanks for the support and the book and it's been so nice to come in to hear and be you know in your energy and you're amazing I love everything you do oh Georgie well thank you so much and the best of luck and with all, with your podcast so sh- tell us where we can listen to your podcast as well yeah anywhere uh, The Good Glow you yeah. can just search for The Good Glow um, and yeah we have some pretty cool conversations over there so you know go gentle on yourself I think is the message oh that's lovely thank you so much Thank you so much to Georgie Crawford for taking the time to chat with us. If you've liked the episode and know someone else who would like it too, share it, tell them. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. And you can find out more at aldi.ie forward slash Mamiya. Oh, and also, happy Mother's Day. Get your mum some flowers. Don't let her eat the burnt part of the dinner. from Aldi. We've topped the leaderboard at the National Parenting Product Awards with 22 wins, making us the most awarded retailer. There were goals for our organic Mamiya baby food range, Mamiya Ultra Dry Junior Plus Nappy Size 5 Plus, and Mamiya Premium Newborn Mini Size 2 Nappies voted the nation's best nappies by parents in Ireland. So, mum and dad, not using Mamiya nappies yet? Oof, could be time for a change. Aldi, every day amazing.